Christ comes to be with us present here. But how can this be? How can this be during COVID-19? How can this be when we're not gathered at a Thanksgiving table with our family and friends? How can this be when there's political despair? President-elect Joe Biden is building his team, and President Trump won't concede. We may be in despair, no matter what side of the political spectrum you are on. Perhaps it's the first holiday that you experience loss. It's your first holiday alone without your family members. Or maybe it may be five years and you, weren't, you didn't have your family member at the table this Thanksgiving. Or you lost your career or your business. Despair and turmoil are all around us. 2020 is anything but normal. We wonder what will this Christmas season hold? As we turn to our scripture today, the Apostle Paul, the one that we believe wrote most of the New Testament, is writing from a prison cell to the church in Philippi. Biblical historians say that Philippi was the first church in the West. It is in basically present-day Greece. It was under Roman control, and it was on an east-west route, and it had a line to the seaport. So it was a trade route, a crossroads, so it was a very diverse city. As one could expect, because of the diversity, Paul had heard that there was division among the Philippian church because some were preaching Christ out of selfish ambition, envy, and rivalry, and some were preaching Christ out of pure motives. However, he doesn't in their, uh, increase their division with words or with more divisive actions. Paul says that as long as Christ is preached, he will rejoice even in prison, and no matter what happens to him, his desire is that Christ be exalted, whether he is delivered or whether he suffers. It is all for Christ. He believes that in his suffering for the gospel, he is suffering for Christ. That's not a way we see it today. We want to live that prosperity gospel that everything is going to be great, but this is not what Paul believed. This letter is not a sad letter, though. It is a letter of hope. Turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians 2, 1 through 11. This is Paul's Christ song. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being full and one accord of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others better than yourself. Let each of you look to, uh, not to your own interests, but to the interest of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Now to verse 6. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard himself equal with God as something to be exploited, but he emptied himself, 
taking on the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and be, be, uh, became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God also exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, that so at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue conf should confess on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In his letter, no matter what, Paul wants Christ to be preached. Whether he is in chains or free, he doesn't answer the theodicy question, why bad things happen to good people, as one would think. He believes that in suffering for the gospel, he was suffering for Christ. Paul focuses in this song on who Jesus is and who we are called to be. In verse 6 and 7, Jesus Christ is fully God and fully human, the incarnation. He did not think himself higher than God, but took on human form. He did not take on the form of royalty like a lord or regent or Caesar or king or even a president, though this is what their worldview would think. This is what God, the, they thought God would become as God would become royal. But Jesus Christ took on the form of a servant or an enslaved person. Their culture was set up by a class system. So in this context, Jesus Christ did not take on the role of a king like the world would expect, but took on the very lowest position, the position of a servant. How many of us have watched The Crown? Do any of you guys watch that? Woo-woo! Okay, if you haven't watched all of it, I'm not going to give any away, but I'm going to talk about it. So in The Crown, it's really about Queen Elizabeth's royal duty um, to her subjects in England, and it's about her royal life. And um, as I said, don't worry, this, I'm going to talk about season five a little bit, but I'm not going to give anything away. The queen in this show is totally clueless. Her biggest struggle was to identify with common people. She is so far removed from them that she can't even understand their struggles. She's just utterly clueless. In one of the episodes, Princess Diana burst on the scene and wants to go on a solo trip to New York. Her itinerary has her visiting a hospital in Harlem. This is in New York City. And they say it is on the wrong side of Harlem. She wants to visit a hospital that no other dignitary in the history of the U.S. had visited. Then to the surprise of everybody... Her Royal Highness goes into the hospital into a pediatric AIDS unit. Remember, in this time, when AIDS was still taboo, the stigma, the fear of the disease, no one wanted to be around anybody with AIDS, much less a baby. These kids had been abandoned by their parents who were, may have been addicted to drugs or they were suffering or died from the disease. So they needed to be adopted, but no one would adopt them. So they're left in this ward in the hospital. And what does Lady Diana do? 
She leans over into the bed and takes hold of this baby and wraps her arms around this little kid. The orphan nobody wanted. She hugs the child with a hearty hug. This is like our God in Jesus Christ, coming in human form to be like us. Not like royalty or the president, but comes to meet us right where we are. In our shame, in our disease, Jesus comes to us fully God and fully human and is with us in our struggles. Verse 8. In this part of the Christ song, Paul praises Jesus Christ for his obedience to death, to death on the cross. In the Roman world, this would not have been seen as a praiseworthy move. In the Roman world, a praiseworthy act is a victory in battle or overcoming an adversary or an opponent. However, Paul doesn't subscribe to that worldview. He is praising Jesus Christ's obedience to the point of death on the cross. Most would have seen that as the lowest point in somebody's life, giving up to death. Again, this was so countercultural. This was in the West, in the Roman Empire, an area that was full of retired military officers. So they would have been completely against this conventional wisdom. So they would have subscribed to the conventional wisdom of the Roman Empire. Think about somebody going to war to the other side and giving themselves up. They just walk over and give themselves up. Because they're not at war with that person, they're at war with something else. This is totally counter to everything that the people living in the Roman Empire believed. And thinking about this first, I thought about the movie Titanic. Have any of you guys seen the Titanic? Come on. It's been a while, right? So I thought about this, and so I, I kind of watched it a little bit yesterday just to refresh my memory. So what do you remember happens? Do you all remember? Huh? Yeah, what else? It's a love story, right? Was it tragic? Was it tragic? Ah. So let us see. Jack gets on the ship hoping for the American dream while he travels in the bow of the ship in a small room with four other dudes. Rose travels with her wealthy fiancé in a stateroom with her own private balcony overlooking the ocean. However, she is tormented in the life that she is living. Jack meets Rose at one of the lowest points. Remember, she was leaning over the edge of the bow of the ship. She wanted to die. She wanted to kill herself, right? But remember, also remember, after this, Jack takes her up to the front of the ship and sets sail on the, on the front, and they're like this. I know all you remember this. I'm flying. Do you all remember that? Then the ship hits an iceberg and sinks, like Clyde was saying, in this cold water of the Atlantic. But of course, like any story, Jack rescues Rose and puts her on a 
floating piece of headboard while he is still lying in the water. She is floating on, on this makeshift life raft as lifeless bodies float around her. Jack, in a moment of optimism, says, you're, going, you're not going to die. You're going to die as an old lady with lots of kids. Jack dies in the water while uh, holding Rose's hand as she floats almost lifeless on the wooden raft. The screenshot pans out to a picture of this old lady with lots of kids. She has been telling her story and says, Jack has saved me. He gave up his life so she could survive. This is the self-giving act of Jesus Christ. The same act that God did for us in Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for us, when he humbled himself even to death on the cross. But in verse 19 through 11, God exalts him to the highest place, the name that is above every name, at the end of time, everything, everywhere will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. How could this be? A Savior that came as a servant, gives his life, and then becomes Lord? Like I was saying earlier, God doesn't use the conventional wisdom of the Roman Empire or even our wisdom this King of kings and Lord of lords didn't come as a warrior, but through laying down his life, he overcame the world and became the Savior of all, shifting our worldview to a new paradigm, a new way of being. Turning back to the Philippians, remember Paul was writing from prison. Paul didn't see his suffering and change as something that would make him become vindictive. He didn't want to become vindictive. He believed in suffering for the gospel. He was suffering with Christ. And he would be vindicated at the end of time. His hope was that God would raise him up like Jesus Christ. Church, Jesus Christ didn't come to meet us in our struggles and pain and leave us here. Our hope that is in the last day, God will raise us up in Jesus Christ. But church, as people of hope, we have a responsibility. Uh-oh. Jackie, will you put up verses 1 through 5, please? Then there is, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy... Make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Regard others as better than yourself. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Let the same mind be in you that is in Christ Jesus. Do not look to your own interest, but to the interest of others. This is who we are called to be as the body of Christ. This letter to the Philippian church was an encouraging letter 
about who Jesus is and who we are called to be in the world. We are to be compassionate and caring like Princess Diana. We are to be self-giving like Jack or Leonardo DiCaprio. Church, we are to imitate the self-giving love of God that we see exemplified in Jesus Christ our Lord so that God may be glorified. This Advent, we are reminded that God comes to us in the midst of COVID-19. God comes to us in the midst of political division. God comes to us in the midst of loss of a job or a business. God comes us to us in the midst of suffering and death. God comes to us incarnate in Jesus Christ. God's presence is here. Let us pray. God, we just give you thanks and praise. God, for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, who would humble himself even to death on the cross, and you would raise him up to sit at your right hand, ever interceding for us. God, that this season we celebrate this hope that we find in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.